Hello, and welcome to Of The People. I'm Robert Chernin. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to take you back to April 2008. Then-Senator Barack Obama famously said that he wasn't surprised about the country folk getting frustrated because they, quote-unquote, cling to their guns and religion. Right? I bring that up as a backdrop to this whole controversy with Jason Aldean and try that in a small town and those lyrics in all of this. It has to be seen in that light because really what's going on is another war aspect of the war on religion. Now, first of all, if you look at the lyrics and you live in a small town, he's correct, right? There was a time, however, in that we did take care of our neighbors, that neighborhood and community transcended what ethnicity you were, what religion you were, where you, where you came from. You were part of the fabric of the community and we all took care of each other, right? But to say that this is pro-gun and pro-violence harkens back to me to the Obama comment, which I think was a very legitimate comment, which was the way they see the country or working class or flyover country is they are stupid we're stupid, and we cling to our guns and our religion. And this is really the same trope or the same argument that, that they're making. So you have Sheryl Crow and all these other people saying that he's promoting violence. He's not promoting violence. This is another version of the Democrats basically saying, if they don't like something, they want to cancel it. Now, to America's credit, from what I can see, the song is number one, number two on the Billboard Parade. It's gone up a thousand percent good for America. But I want to give a quick, different perspective, right? Not only is, is this anti-religion and another aspect of that, and by the way, as an aside, if you remember back then, I was around, then-candidate Hillary Clinton accused Barack Obama of being an elitist for that comment. So said the basket of deplorables Mrs. Clinton, who I just find that to be so hypocritical. But the larger conversation here has to be about right and wrong. And that's the conversation that the left doesn't want us to have, right? Black Lives Matter violence during the 2020 elections was okay, but lyrics are not. Where's the violence, right? Uh, teaching gender fluidity and gender transition and grooming is is okay, but it's not okay if I protest that my daughter doesn't want to change in the locker room or bathroom with someone who is a male but identifies as a woman. That's not okay. Slavery today, when we're talking about human trafficking, we're talking about child pornography, is not okay, is, is okay today, but slavery 300 years ago not only is not okay, it's the original sin and it colors everything and we're all racist now. That's what we're being taught. So the real question is, is there right and is there wrong? And that's why this is against religion, because religion provides that foundation. And I don't care what denomination you are. I don't care if you're Christian. I don't care if you're Jewish. I don't care if you're Muslim. Um, list all the religions. It doesn't matter to me. I am not supporting one religion over another. The other reason this is anti-religious is they don't want the ultimate question asked. Does evil exist? Because the first thing is, does right and wrong exist? Or is everything relative, right? Is one man's 
terrorist, another man's freedom fighter. So everything is relative and there is no right or wrong. That's what the argument is that's being put out. And because it really doesn't hold water, because there is right and wrong. That's what they don't want you to see. That's what they don't want you to talk about. Now, I do subscribe to Justice Potter Stewart when asked about defining pornography. He said, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Right and wrong is the same thing. The real question is, is there evil? Because if, if there's right and wrong, then there has to be evil in the world, and which there is. By the way, to the Democrats, the conservatives are evil. I mean, I understand how you all see us. I get that, right? But child mutilation, how is that not evil? Child sex trafficking, how is that not evil? And there are plenty other examples that I can give you and I can go on a further rant. But understand that this whole controversy with Jason Aldean really is viewed in that context that maybe didn't start with Obama, but that's where the fabric started being ripped apart. So keep buying those songs. And he's right. Try all that crap in a small town and see how far that gets you. We'll give you a really good welcome. No problem. Stay tuned for the main show, folks. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome back to Of The People. I'm Robert Chernin with my lovely co-host. Erica Reddick. Yes, you are. Hi, Erica. Hi. Hello. Let's jump right in, shall yes, we? Yes, I am ready. Okay. I'm ready to jump Good. in. So, Speaking of jumping so in. So am I. Speaking of, you know what? I want to end where we ended the last show. That interview on human trafficking and child sex trafficking with Yako Boyens. Yeah is one of the most moving interviews we've ever done. Folks, if you haven't seen it, it's we're up on Rumble, we're up on Facebook, we're up on Twitter, we're on YouTube. All the socials. But all the socials. What I really want to draw attention to though, because people think about immigration, illegal immigration, immigration policy, all of those things, all of which are important, but under the radar is this whole sort of human trafficking, child sex trafficking issue, which for some reason, I mean, it should be bipartisan and You'd not. think so. You think so? Yeah, um, I, I would think a lot of things that are not, but uh, this one's such a serious issue. I do want to focus on Texas Governor Abbott because within the last couple of weeks, he signed some major legislation protecting the border, and you know they established that floating barrier, and mm -hmm. I think it's the Rio Grande River. Yep. Um, and now, the Biden administration is suing Texas. Yep, that's right. Yeah. That's right. They're sue they want to sue over Operation Lone Star. So this is where basically Governor Abbott and the Texas legislature has said, you know what? If the federal government is not going to protect our borders, if you're not going to protect Texas and American sovereignty, then we're going to. And so yeah, they're suing, trying to make them take this um floating barrier uh border barrier out of the rio grande right yep right yeah there's an article i'm reading a biden administration sues texas over floating border barriers used to repeal migrants so you know again it comes down to states rights to protect their own borders versus the federal government yep. right and the federal government is using um the ability to regulate bodies of water and what you can do in a body of water as a means to circumvent the will of the people of Texas. Well, and 
Am I getting that right? Well, that's what, you know, one of the criticisms that we've had, um, particularly I, um, Benjamin and I did a mini documentary last year. We went to Del Rio and highlighted the fact that the border right. barrier, which is basically just a chain link fence with a bunch of holes in it, is actually, you know, you know, 30 or 50 yards away from the Rio Grande River. So by the time you're already in America, by the time there's a border. And so um, the complaint is that this border barrier and the razor wire that they've put on the Rio Grande and that they are, um, that they're paying to folks who have land on the Rio Grande River, they're saying, oh, it's endangering migrants, okay? So notice, again, the conflation of illegal aliens, uh, illegal immigrants with migrants, right? Well, here's the deal. If you wanna say that we're worried about the protection of asylum seekers, or right. migrants, then why aren't they going to the border crossing where they should be going rather than crossing the Rio Grande River? I mean, that just, what, like, oh, so. And, and by the way, let me add something to that. What most people don't know, right? The uh, Border Patrol now has an online application. Yeah. Which if you really want to come into the country legally and frankly most of the illegals are using that application anyway where there's no really no security check that's correct you right so customs and border right C cbp customs border patrol right has an application folks don't believe me as usual look it up so this is again a political agenda trying to circumvent a state just so because i think the biden administration what did he promise spain and mexico 14 million uh, immigrants or people would immigrate from Hispanic countries during his four years of administration. Wow. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, that's. Oh, you, you didn't catch no, it. Don't you remember oh, that one? I, I, that doesn't surprise me. Um, when we're seeing 100,000 people a month crossing the border or having encounters with Border Patrol, and that's just who they're, who they're, encountering that's the number of people that they are picking up uh that they're catching or that they're, they're exactly right. Right. and so that's not well, even who's getting across the river illegally unobstructed so, so a friend of mine who is in customs and border mm -hmm. patrol right and i have friends and lots of friends in high places yeah. right um which you know i'm not important but all of them are <laughs> said we functionally have no southern border Correct. right now right and and the flow into the country is out of control it's not just the people right they, they like to put this in terms of humanity or you know they had a whole cage thing under the obama administration and what and whatnot yeah. right but it's really it's the drugs that are That's coming right. in it's not just the people it's the human trafficking it's but it's the drugs that are coming in it's the cartels that you know the, i mean let's the minute you say the word terrorist people go oh there you go you're you know you're a conspiracy theorist but if you're letting people in without checking and you don't know where they are when they're in here right and all you see is 
the stories in the news isolated here or there about this one who got in and this person or murdered this person. They were kicked out 12 times and they got back in. Sounds like it's got a system that's working for me. So look, kudos to the governor of Texas. Kudos to the state that are working with the governor because there is an intrastate or, or interstate pact. Yes. Pact, right, that they're now put together. Yep. But the, So the Justice Department, however, filed a nine-page lawsuit in federal district court in Austin. Yep. Right? Yep. And the river buoys violate a longstanding federal law that governs structures in navigable waterways. So using a technicality to basically say, screw you to you know, the state of Texas or illegal immigration. So my attitude is, Governor Abbott, if you're listening, keep bussing those migrants <laughs> to the sanctuary cities, especially like Martha's Vineyard. That was a really priceless yeah. one. Well, and and so. you know, one of the quotes, um, Governor Abbott, I've heard is "See you in court, Mr. President," which I absolutely love. And I think really the most important one of the pieces of legislation that has passed the Texas legislature is defining the cartels as terrorist organizations. And, uh, you know, I'm always cautious about giving too much power to the police state or too much power to law enforcement because, you know, I'm one of these, you know, this is where my libertarian hackles kind of stand up and I go, oh, I want to be careful. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. In today's day, look, I can appreciate libertarian tendencies, right? My attitude is, you know, I don't want the government telling me what to do. Leave me alone. Right. If the government leaves me alone, I'll leave them alone. Right. But but in today's state, are you really lamenting and are you really concerned with too much power and law so enforcement? So this is what I'm Come saying. On. So so I th these are things that tend to concern me. So I always want there to be an opportunity to like you know, re uh, reconsider these things later on. But I actually love that these cartels are being called and defined as terrorist organizations now. And that's one thing that the federal government has been unwilling to do. And when I have, um, you know, like you said, I have family in Border Patrol. And when I hear stories like, um, and this, you know, there has been a humanitarian crisis on our border for years and they've just, you know, that was. Thank you. Thank you, President Obama. And they, when, I mean, their lies about the border are one of the biggest reasons I, this is why I'm wearing my, I used to be a liberal shirt today uh, because one of, I, I remember in the car listening to the news i'm gonna go off a little bit here i i was right, wait, listening i'm gonna listening to the news say oh there's no crisis <laughs> at the border go there's no crisis at the border and i was like oh my god i literally just got told a story by my family where the the cartels so what if you don't live in Texas or a border state, a lot of people don't realize it's it's traditionally a very porous border, okay? So people do work, and I don't mean in a bad way. Like, you know, there's border crossings, people come across to work, people go to school. It's very much a blended community in a lot of places along the Texas-Mexico border. And so when you hear about the cartel just coming across and mowing down 
hundreds of women and children and men just getting ready to cross the border to go to work and go to school and get stuff done. These are terrorists. And wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Let me interrupt you. I have not heard of an incident where on the Mexican side of the border, where there were people getting ready to cross the border that were mowed down or gunned down or murdered by the cartels. You're telling me that that's it, happened when you, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you that you don't, that that's not truthful, but if I haven't heard of it, I guarantee you 99% of America exactly. hasn't heard of it. And I have not heard that. Exactly. And that was, that was why when I'm listening to NPR lie to the American people and say, Donald Trump is a racist and there's no crisis at the border. And I'm like, I just heard a story literally last week where hundreds of people were murdered by the drug cartels just because they do it as a way to try to control people and manipulate the government, manipulate the people into going along with things. Um, there was story after story that's not covered by the mainstream media of, um, oh God, when was it? A couple of years ago, there was a cartel leader that got picked up by the police Okay, so the police actually had the nerve to go and they were able to pick up this cartel leader. And then the gang came around, freaking started murdering up the police and killing people and killing civilians. And then the civilians basically revolted against the police and made them give up the cartel leader. But you don't hear these stories. So the cartels are literally using terrorist tactics to control and manipulate the Mexican population to allow for this stuff to go on. And you never hear about it on the news. Well, I certainly don't. And I, look, the cartels control Mexico. The Mexican government does not. That's and right. I think anyone who's familiar with politics understands that. But I want to go back to something else you talked about, which was your concern about um, law enforcement having too much power. So there's a story in the news about the LA police department and the superintendent basically told the police officers, because there's union negotiations and the council is, the LA council is hostile mm. To the police yes. and police enforcement, basically said to them, "quote Go somewhere." In other words, leave L.A. <laughs> go somewhere that respects the work you do, right? So I'm not concerned about too much law enforcement at, at this point because if I have to choose between like the Democrats and law enforcement, I go with law enforcement. And let's not forget something: Los Angeles, which I believe is the second largest police department in the country behind New York That's City, right. if I'm not mistaken. Maybe Chicago's bigger, but I don't no, think so. No, it's L.A. Right. Okay, L.A. has lost since 2019 over a thousand police officers who have either retired or left. Right, so they're they've, they're down 10. percent This is against the backdrop of and a spike in homelessness in L.A., a spike in crime in L.A. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, 30 percent of all homeless in this country are in California. So, Governor Newsom, I hope you're running for president because you should run based on your record in California. Oh my God. But as far as concern with law enforcement having too much power, the pendulum goes both ways. And I, but right now, the police are not allowed to do their job. And their job, right, they're law enforcement. Their job is to enforce the laws.
right? So whether it's laws on the border, but you have the federal government who is intervening for political reasons against a governor, against state laws, you have law enforcement, um, you know, and then you brought up the courts, right? So the government is now using the courts. And I find this to be incredulous to me because on the one hand, you have the Biden administration and the liberals basically saying, don't trust the Supreme Court, overrule the Supreme Court, <laughs> expand the court. But, right? I mean, am I missing something? <laughs> yep. No, no. Right? Yep. So they're saying expand the court, you know, all, all, all that other stuff. So So they're saying, you know, you know, it, it's it's just it's it's incredible to me that what they're really doing, and yet they're using the courts as they see fit. Yet they, I mean, they're, you know, there's this whole concept now called popular constitutionalism, and basically, it, you know, it's been around for a while. But there's a Harvard professor because so he must be oh right, he's Harvard, Harvard. Oh. and his name is Mark Mark Tushnet. Now, if this were a comedy show, I could really. <laughs> do a riff on the name, you know, but, um, you know, cause you know, Jewish tush, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, he certainly seems like he's an ass based on what he's putting <laughs> forward, but that's a different discussion. But basically they're saying, right. Cause we're going back to the whole court thing okay. is they're basically saying that the, and they're calling it now a MAGA Supreme court, right? So they're trying to delegit. Wait, wait a minute. So you're trying yeah. to delegitimize the courts by saying that because of their mistaken interpretation and we need to restore democracy, and their argument is that according to the Constitution, the courts do not have exclusive authority to interpret the Constitution. What? How do you like them out? What? That's the argument. Look up popular constitutionalism and look up, you know, Mark Tush. I'm sorry, Mark Tushner. Um, then who does? Who's a Harvard professor. I don't, well, the Constitution is pretty clear. Folks, if you go to Article 3 of the Constitution, right, and I can read it for you, since I prepared for this, right, Article 3, Section 2, Clause 1 says the following, the judicial power shall extend to all cases, note the word all, in law and equity. So they already knew we were going to devolve into diversity, equity, and inclusion. <laughs> the judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising un under this Constitution. I mean, yeah. what part of that don't you understand, ladies and gentlemen? They don't care. It's they, first of all, they don't care what the words say. They don't care what the words mean. Right. They, if, right. if they're not getting their way, it's whatever it is, is illegitimate, right? Like that is going to be, right. that is just like all of the candidates and, or all these people went from being uh, pro uh, anti-vaccine to pro vaccine when it could benefit them and they could control people. So they're going to be pro constitution and pro law enforcement when they control it. Um, just like they demonize law enforcement and demonize um, police and say that they're all a bunch of racist, sexist, homophobes, uh, you know, every istophobe there is in the book until you have January 6th happen. And then, oh, our poor law enforcement, look at how mean people were to them. Like, dude, you do not care about these people. Wait, wait, are, wait, are you talking about the FBI plants in the July, January 6th yes, crowd? Or are you talking about the regular them, law enforcement? All of it. They don't. Sorry, I had to put. No, that in it's there. true though. That's the thing is they don't care. They just lie and make stuff up so that they can so they can lather up their base 
to go out and spread more hatred and division. It is. I want. I want There is no truth anymore. I want to come back to that. We're getting the high sign that we need to go make some money and take a break. But this is sort of a harbinger to the 2024 election. Yeah. This is a harbinger to sort of what's really at stake there. But I think the war on the courts as an integral part of that is where we want to come back to. So folks, we got to go make some money being the true bourgeois capitalist that we are. Stay tuned. Eric and I will be right back. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the show on WNTK and WUVR on the radio in New Hampshire. Just a reminder that you can also find us on social media. Some of the more spicy takes and uh, you might get a little bit more energy uh, and some of the things that we can't talk about on the radio. So you can find of the people on Rumble, that's the best place, at Robert Chernin. Okay, so we're on Robert Chernin's channel on Rumble. And uh, again, that's where you're going to find our spicy takes, our hot takes, things that you're not going to hear on the radio. We've got a YouTube channel too, you guys, but these days, YouTube, uh, we're getting community guideline strikes left and right, even when we're telling the truth. So join us on Rumble. That's where the movement, the free speech movement is happening. You can also find us on Twitter, shorts on YouTube, uh, the things that we can say. Uh, great opportunities to share, share the message and keep people engaged. Twitter, it's RB Churnin to get Robert. For me, it's Erica Reddick. That's E-R-I-C-K-A-R-E-D-I-C because I know y'all spell my name wrong. I know you do. I know you do. It's okay. I love you anyway. I love you. So find us on social media. Get those spicy takes on Rumble. And again, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to all these social media channels. Help us fight the big tech overlords and make sure this message gets shared. Hello, and welcome back to Of the People. I'm Robert Chernin with my lovely co-host, Erica Reddick. Hi, Robert. Erica, before we went to break, we were getting hot and heavy about judicial reform mm. and the hypocrisy of the Democrats. But I want to frame this for you yeah, or for us or for our listeners. I want to frame this. You know, we have an election, obviously, very important, as all presidential elections are coming mm. up in 2024. Yep. And really, I think more and more people... Even our guest last show, Yako uh, Boyen, said that the silent majority is a ridiculous concept. And I would argue, honestly, that the silent majority is, is waking up finally, right? The sleeping giant has, I think, woken up because people are fighting back, whether it's the uh, parental rights organizations, whether mm. it's the school choice organizations, whether it's you know fighting back in media. The, and, and The Sound of Freedom, right, that movie, yeah. is off the... Off the oh charts successful. Oh my gosh. Well, right? and just really exposing the groomers too, you know, right. the people right. who, anybody who's like, oh, oh, the conspiracy theories and blah. And I'm like, oh, right. look at you trying to right. cover up and make excuses for child trafficking. That's interesting. Exactly. Exactly. But I want to frame this, right? Okay. Because this really comes down to what's at stake in the 2024 election. Yeah. And there really is such a, uh, dichotomy between the view of 
what does America stand for, mm. right? And the American institutions, mm-hmm. right? And there's this whole thing going on with Israel we're going to get to in the, the judicial reforms a little yeah. later in, in this segment or perhaps the next segment. But, you know, I look at certain things as sort of benchmarks or sort of um, sort of litmus tests, right? There's another um, article in the news, the, what is it? The Chico Unified School District, right? Okay. The, a judge, by the way, it was a Bush appointee judge, appeals court judge, Ruled that the that the judge that the judge had no place in ruling on whether or not a school district could hide a child's identity, including gender transition from the parents. Oh. Right, and again, you get that whole case of gender affirming care, which is the biggest um, whitewashing of words. Oh God! Can you say whitewashing? Oh yeah, uh, the wh- Am I we're to use the word white? using euphemisms to try to cover up the butcher of children. Yes, right. So you look at that, right, and you try to understand the culture war, and even the words culture war, I think, are are, are inappropriate because mm-hmm. the war is so much broader than that. Yeah. The 2024 election is for the heart and soul of America. I think anyone understands that, and you can look at the different candidates. But you look at this through the prism of the war on the courts, mm-hmm. right, because, right, I mean, I mean, when you look at this, the Biden administration is using the courts on a certain level when it suits them. That's right. And yet they're deriding the legitimacy of the court, right? They're, because it's the last of the three institutions. Yep. So what, what am I what am I missing here? And I guess my real question is, where the hell's the outrage? Well, this is, I, I mean, th- so the judge ruled that the judge didn't have the right to rule on a case. I mean, what was his excuse judicial, for that? Ju- ju- judicial restraint. Hang on, hang on. It's you know, and unfortunately, folks, as you can tell, I am on the road, so I got to pull all this stuff up from <laughs> from places because usually I am much better prepared than this. But let me well, just I pull think this the, one up. The, so the thing that you're speaking to, right, is just the constant undermining of all of our institutions. That, that is, is that is exactly what I'm speaking right. To. So we've already delegitimized the executive branch and the administrative state. The co- Congress has its worst approval ratings ever, is my understanding. They're in the single digits. So everybody, well, but so does but so does all the institutions. The FBI is down to about a twenty percent approval rate. I mean, this is what. So, so your chief law enforcement agency is down to about a 20% approval rating. What does that tell you about the tearing apart of the fabric of the country, right? Michael Savage famously said, borders, language, culture, define a nation, Mm. right? Yep. So border, we have no Southern border. And frankly, if we weren't bound by the Atlantic and the Pacific, you know, we'd have no borders there either. Uh, Canada, you're next. Oh, it's already happening. Vermont has seen- uh, five. We have no common language. I think a five thousand fold increase in in border uh, uh crossing or border encounters in Vermont. I'm not sure what it is in in New Hampshire, but yeah, hang on. Okay, got it. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. Go ahead. Keep going. No, Keep I going. It just um, you're right. If it wasn't for the Pacific and Atlantic Ocean, we would have no borders. I would imagine every state along the northern border is having the same issues. They're coming right. from everywhere. Um, and so language, I got to tell you, I don't know what it's like everywhere, but more and more here in Texas, I go to the store, I go 
to the restaurant. I go to the gas station. It doesn't matter where I'm going. Oftentimes, right. at least once or twice throughout the day, my encounters with people are, they can't speak English. They are only speaking Spanish. And I'm like, I live in America. And, 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 and Right. And and folks, let's be clear. We're not xenophobic. We're not saying that, you know, speaking your native tongue is wrong. What we are saying is that without a common language, you lose the fabric of one of the things that binds together a nation, right? By the way, so going back to this, so this is U.S. District, I'm sorry, what's that appeals court before? It's U.S. District Judge John Mendez said he was observing judicial restraint by dismissing the lawsuit from a parent against the Chico Unified School District, right? And basically said that the dish that the that hid this girl's uh, gender identity from the parents, and basically said that her, my hands are tied. The Supreme Court said I can't do that, which is a gross misinterpretation. So that if you look up, not you know, right? yeah, that is not an right. accurate interpretation of right. Wow, right, and 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 you juxtapose this right because it's this whole sort of. Um, mutilation of children forget about child sex trafficking which um, don't forget about it i mean which is horrible but th the children that are here to i mean let's be honest when you're growing up you know there's all sorts of anxieties there's all sorts of stress and who doesn't like me and i don't fit in and am i pretty enough and am i yep. you know am i tall enough and am i smart enough i mean isn't that what everybody goes through? So we're going to take confused children. Normal. And adolescence right. and puberty. Right. So so this girl in particular wanted to talk to her mom about that she was confused. The Basically, the, the guidance counselor, if you remember that term, basically um, manipulated her into keeping her mom in, in the dark. <gasps> right. And... She would visit the girls' class regularly, right? I mean, so you're talking about, right? You're talking about grooming Groomer. or proselytizing, right? And because, and then instantly assigned her a, a gender identity. And then you juxtapose this with the amount of surgeries that are going on oh that are mutilation, God. you know, and, and there's just no evidence for it. And yet that's what we're teaching our children. And those are the values, right? We're still under border language culture. So we're under culture. Yeah. Those are the values that are being taught. And it's okay to mutilate a child. And there's this guy in, uh, what's his name? Blair Peters, Oregon Health and Science, who basically said that, um, quote, unquote, I don't know if I can read this on the air, but you may have to bleep this one out. But basically said that there's no published research on genital operations on, quote, Puber, pubertally, pubertally, I guess, suppressed adolescents, which are especially challenging on young males because their private parts are too little, have too little tissue to construct That's right. a, right. Yes. So um, what happens so is if you put young men, particularly use, on puberty right. blockers, their genitalia does not grow large enough right. or substantial right. enough to create a, uh, there's that size. Are you bringing that size issue again? In again? Yes. Literally, <laughs> I'm sorry. There's I, not. I enough... shouldn't make a joke on such a serious. I know, topic but that's it's very serious. That's but... the thing is, there's not enough to make a fake vagina, and so this is right. part of the whole thing. Is you this is you cannot have informed consent by definition because these children have 
not had sex, they have not had an orgasm, they, they cannot have informed consent. I mean, they can't anyway because they're children for God's sakes, but they cannot have informed consent because they haven't actually experienced or knowledge of the thing that they're going to miss out and lose out on if right. these things go underway. And now you have states like Vermont passing laws legalizing the kidnapping and gender and, and genital mutilation of children. Literally, Vermont passed a law that said, you know, if your state doesn't allow for mutilating yeah, your come child, here. come here, we'll come here, we'll do it for and you. We won't we won't uh go along with the extradition from the other states we're not going to protect your child from these these decisions that are going to affect them for the rest of their lives no matter what and by the way so this this doctor blair peters is his name in oregon the part of the oregon health and science university said the following there's going to be a huge role for therapy during the surgery process. This is definitely something we're going to learn a lot more in the next <gasps> five or 10 years as we're just doing increasing numbers of these cases. So my attitude is, and again, oh my this God. is what, these are the things folks that are at stake in the next election because it's really the heart and soul of America. Is this okay with you guys? We're doing right? scientific- Why is it, why is it? We're doing scientific- No, no, why isn't their mental health? Why isn't their mental health first? We're doing why is there not mental health first? We're literally doing scientific experiments on children, but then That's you right. have but then you have movies come out like Sound of Freedom, and we're gonna pretend like child trafficking isn't a thing, but then we're also gonna admit out loud that we're doing scientific experiments on children that we have no idea how it's gonna affect them in the future. I, I mean, this is when when we oh my god, history is going right. to judge us so harshly for what we're doing to the most vulnerable population among us. It is history, talk history about will be judged horribles. Good golly. I, I agree, but history will only judge us if we're victorious in this, in this battle of good versus evil, mm. right? Mm. Because the victors write history let's be clear that's right right so you know again i know this is a heavy topic you know and you know the 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 jersey side of me would have would have poked fun at a few things but this is not this is not a topic i i, I can poke fun on at, at all because it is so serious and it really is it's such a huge part of what's at stake in this whole culture war in these upcoming elections so folks when you when you look into all of these issues understand the bigger issue that's that's at stake here that's right which is what kind of country do you want to live in and what's being foisted upon you is they're delegitimizing institutions as a way of you know because you're really talking about um the ultimate in relativism there is no right there is no wrong mm. right and you know that's that old argument that one man's Freedom fighter, terrorist is another man's freedom fighter, which frankly is a is a bunch of crap. Yeah, it it all centers on the children, as Yako Boyan said. You know, the children are the next generation, and I know you're not supposed to make this analogy, but I will. I mean, there's a reason that Hitler started the Hitler Youth Movement, right? I mean, you want to go after the youth because they're the most impressionable. If if it's okay to a parade in front of kids naked, if it's okay to 
take a normally confused state of a child who is growing up and doesn't understand sort of the world around them. That's right. And yet they're, it's okay that they can, um, through gender affirming care, they can uh, be proselytized, mutilated, change their gender, and parents have no right to know. That's right. What's going on with their child? Because again, the argument that they make is, well, you know, there could be abuse at home or there could be, I mean, that that's such a oh whitewash my. of things. They make up so right. many excuses. This is right. the, so, the so manipulation. Wait, there's abuse at home. So that, right, right. There's abuse at home. So the parents can't know. So we're going to abuse them in the schools. That that's so, but that's okay. That's and you guys can't know about. I that. I mean, that's what's so outrageous to me is there is there is this manipulation, this emotional manipulation that is so disgusting to me. Oh, if you don't do it, the kid's going to commit suicide. Well, it's a 50-50 shot to begin with, and it's pre or post surgery, pre or post transition, 50-50 chance that they're going to commit suicide. So why are we why are we using that to manipulate people? And why and how is it, you know, honestly, I I really I blame I blame Generation X and I blame the baby boomers for this. You know, we can we can say how millennials and these Gen Yers are a bunch of crazies and how dare they do stupid stuff. It's our fault. We raised this generation. The baby boomers and Generation X have raised these people without any sense of, of duty or responsibility or truth, justice, reasonableness. We are literally allowing the next generation to decide, you know, what is true, what is false. And again, it's people who are already can, you know, young people who are hormonal going through puberty who have no idea what is going on and we're telling them that they're in charge and that they have the they're in the best position to make decisions oh my god yeah you you can't vote you can't serve in the military but you you can decide what gender you want to be because because you're confused growing up well by the way if you had paraded all these naked people in front of me when i was a kid and you know you know, whose gender is what, I mean, I would have been confused too. We're all confused at that point. That's right. So they're going after the most vulnerable, which is, which is again, you know, an abomination to me. It's an infomnia. Look, this all comes down to the 2024 election. And this all comes down to that. Really the, ju the judiciary yeah. the courts are the last battlefront of legitimacy in the system, in the constitutional system that's left. I talked about it in the monologue. I'm going to talk about it now. I do want to go to break. We're going to come back, you know, right afterwards and really delve into that because the same battle sort of inverted is now going on in Israel. Mm. And it's the same battle here, but from a very, from sort of the opposite side of the spectrum, which is an interesting thing. And if you want to see what's going to happen here, folks, stay tuned. We will be right back to talk about that. Hi, I'm Robert Chernin. And I'm Erica Reddick. And we are of the people. You can find us on Rumble. You can find me on Twitter at R.B. Chernin, and? And I am at Erica Reddick. Look us up, you'll be entertained. That we guarantee. Absolutely. She's never wrong. Ever. 
<laughs> Just ask my husband. Hello, and welcome back to Of The People. I'm Robert Chernin with Erica my lovely co-host. So I know we've been all over the place today. I want to focus us on, because I honestly believe the 2024 election is so important. Between now and then, though, the last battlefront in a constitutional republic is already engaged. And that is, you know, they've gone after laws. They went after law enforcement, right? They're going after the the judiciary. You already see it. You know, we talked about it in the earlier segment where they're now saying this, what do they call it? Let's see, popular constitutionalism. Mm. Uh, Mark Tushman, I'm sorry, Mark Tushnet. It's a net, not a, not a man, but you get the idea. Harvard professor basically says that courts don't have the exclusive authority. You have the Biden administration that's looking to circumvent the courts, certainly even the affirmative action decision, mm. even the, what did Biden just came out with? Now they're not going to forgive the student debt. They're going to write it off. I didn't quite understand the difference oh, yeah. uh, be, be, between it. But in any event, they're looking to get around the courts. And that really is the last bastion. As we talked about, Article 3 of the Constitution is very clear. The courts are the final arbiter. Now, truthfully, what they're really trying to do is just say, don't listen to the courts. Mm. Yep, delegitimize. Yep. Right. So if you cannot... You know, if you can, you know, under the heading of if you can't beat them, join them, it's slightly different. If you can't beat them, delegitimize them, <laughs> right? So either we're going to pack the courts and expand the court or we're going to delegitimize them. Right now, and that's the other reason 2024 is so important because the likelihood is in the next presidential term, you'll have certainly one, maybe two mm. Supreme Court appointments that's based right. on the age, whether it's Justice Thomas, whether it's Justice um, um, Alito. Right? Yep. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. So, but I want to juxtapose this as to what's going on in Israel right now. Mm. And I, you know, again, try not to stray too far from our borders and those kinds of things. But right now there is massive unrest in Israel because of, relatively speaking, a innocuous change or a proposed innocuous change to the Israeli judicial powers. And understand, folks, we have a constitution. There's two different things here. The U.S. has a constitution. Israel does not. Right. We have checks and balances. Israel does not. So it is the judiciary is unfettered in Israel. They are allowed to. And the real issue is there's something called a reasonableness standard in Israel that the courts have used to nullify cabinet appointments, to nullify laws, to uh, have the attorney general. I mean, unelected by the people. So they've proposed a law, which I believe is now being signed as of earlier in the week, that basically limits the judiciary's power. Because in this country, the power, in theory, flows from the people upward, right? Through your elected officials. And if you don't like something, you can change it. And we can talk about sort of how the pendulum swings, but the Democrats get in power they put in all the, the judges and people they like. The, the Republicans get in power. They put in all the people and the judges they like. And over time, at least in theory, at least until Obama right, and Biden, in theory, it balances out in the middle over time. And that mm. is sort of in 
um, consistent with the checks and balances as the founders envisioned it. Yeah. It's certainly consistent with between the branches and within the branches. Israel doesn't have that. That's right. All the Israel is saying is let's be beholden to the popular, the people through the Knesset. And here's the point. When you don't agree with something right now, political violence is the means to achieve the end. You saw it with BLM, Black Lives Matter. You're seeing it with the riots. They're trying. So what? So, so a political party. There used to be two parties, right? Labor and Likud, mm, right? In Israel, you've seen yep. it now. And so judges are allowed to select other judges in Israel. Did you know that? That's what. That's what I think. People. It's important for um, us as Americans to understand the the really big differences in the way right. that Israel's. Um, uh, uh, government is set up. So it's not like here where the executive branch proposes the judge uh, selection and then the legislature has to approve them, right? So checks and balances. Um, the judges in Israel select their successors. So it would be like if um you know Neil and Gorsuch they and they approve and they approve cabinet ministers. And so it would be as if Neil Gorsuch, uh you know T Clarence Thomas, all these people got to pick their own successors and then no right. one has any say about it. The parliament then doesn't get to approve those successors. And so they, there is a feeling by parliament that there is this ruling judiciary that is l very left-wing, very left-leaning, and remains left-leaning all of the time. And, and, and you're 100% correct, but and they are unaccountable to the people or the politicians. Correct. That's the so that's the key issue, and what people need to understand. I and mean, if you look at the battles going on here in the efforts to delegitimize the court, we have a constitution, right? If yep. you're going to follow the rules, you follow the constitution, right? Yep. Now, if you don't like the outcome, you're going to say, "Don't follow the constitution and this whole nonsense of popular constitutionalism," <laughs> which frankly is, is 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 a piece of crap. But you know, but you it's, still it's, have it. Well, it, it's look, it's in vogue because they want to, you know, they're now calling it the MAGA, right? Supreme Court. God. But in Israel, the judges are not accountable. The judges can, so parliament can, the Knesset can pass a law. Someone files a lawsuit and the, the courts in Israel deem it to be unreasonable. So how would you like to have your standard? There's no constitution to refer back to, and mm. you, which is what we're going to end. By the way, that's what we're going to end up with if, if we go down that rabbit hole which is we will have a written constitution, but if no one listens to it or no one's, or there's not agreement that it should be the law of the land, you end up like Israel where you yeah. have judges be the final arbiter until again, no one listens to the judges and then people go for their guns. Right. And, and again, I'm not advocating violence. I'm just telling you that that's where this ends up. The attorney general hostile to, to the government and is done and was appointed was appointed by someone who opposes Netanyahu. So you create this cauldron of, 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 um, uh, of, I guess, vitriol, really, right? Yeah. And there are no standards here. So, so understand, people, this, the, the judicial reform debate that's going on in Israel 
affects us because it, it, it should allow you to see where we're heading towards if we delegitimize the courts. Look, Antonin Scalia, the former, the late Supreme Court justice, said that if you're if you are doing your job properly as a judge, and you're adhering to the law and you're applying the law as as the Constitution dictates, you're not going to like all the decisions you make. That's that's right. the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be one set of laws for everybody, and you're supposed to have this common interpretation. So when you look at what's going on in these judicial reforms, and I hope people pay attention to it in Israel. Obviously, it's, 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 it's our ally in the Middle East. It's the only democracy in the Middle East. That's right. And, and as go, folks, I'm telling you now, as goes Israel, goes the United States in terms of Western world, in terms of human rights, in terms of the rights and privileges that you enjoy. I know it seems like a stretch, but it's really not. You have to understand that Israel is coming at it from, Israel wants to, what Netanyahu is trying to do is make Israel more like U.S. law, which mm. is to establish a body of law because there there is no constitution in Israel. Well, and this is, you know, uh, Robert, you probably know a lot more about this than I do. Um, but I, for me, when I look at Israel, it, it's it's very it's very challenging to Why? see because so they have a parliament right but it doesn't look like do. parliament like you see in other countries it is a multi-party system and it, you know people try to say oh, that's a whole different argument i agree yeah. you know people try to say oh you know it's just a, an apartheid state and all this stuff which is just outrageous because it's actually my understanding is it's uh, multiple parties. Um, you have to build a coalition government. There are Palestinians and Arabs. You know, it is not just Israelis that are part of parliament. It's Arabs. It's everybody that lives in Israel. So you have to build this cross section of, of competing interests to to build a coalition to try to get anything done in the first place so it's almost like it's designed for all legislation and government <laughs> operations to just be stymied well well so so let me simplify first i i do not claim to be an expert on israel although i have plenty of friends who i would certainly be willing to bring on the show who know way more than i do full disclosure yeah the first issue is we have, I mean, to simplify this, we have an issue, we have a system of checks and balances here, right? At least in theory. Yeah. The founders created a system that was not only checks and balances between the three branches of government, but even within the branches of government, right? Certainly within the legislative branch, checks and balances between the upper chamber and the lower chamber, That's right? right? The bicameral, the house, which is, you know, I mean, the house ambition is supposed to be the- Ambition to a check the, the ambition. High that's well, the House said. is supposed to burn hot. It burns with passion. It's directly elected by the people. The Senate was, as originally formated, uh, formulated, was the cooling chamber, if you will, and that was supposed to be elected by each state legislature. Obviously, the I think it they was changed the, that. Was it the Nineteenth Amendment? I don't recall, but whatever amendment was made, it directly elected, which I think, frankly, was a mistake because it, it it took away some of that checks and balances. The key here 
is Israel has no checks and balances in their system and the judiciary mm. reigns supreme. And that's really all that's going on here. With regards to the multi-party system, right? We have a uh, bi, I would call it, I mean, bipolar is really what it is. And I'm not invoking the medical term, although perhaps with our political system, um, we have a two-party system. That two-party system for all of its problems has created stability over mm. the years. It's very hard for a third-party candidate. Israel initially had essentially a two-party system, which was the, um, you know, labor and Likud. They were the liberals, but that was, you know, marginal. Right. Now they have, I think there are 26 parties represented in parliament. Don't hold me to the number, but it's a large number. And so each party now, and I think the change, and again, I think it was the 1990s when they yeah. changed, when they changed the you know, f- you know, fractional representation. So yeah, Got you have a system now in Israel. Right. How- without, without, you have a system without a constitution. You have a system without checks and balances where the judges reign supreme and where the judges get to, um, nullify laws, nullify appointments. Um, That's what, right. how can a country I, I, not have a constitution? How can a country not have a constitution or some kind of a foundational document that says this is what we agree to, or this right. is, uh, uh, you know, when we talk about culture, as an example, in the United States, um, we have so many different cultures um in that there's no one race or uh background and but we had a culture that was built around our constitution which said you know our rights come from god you know you have freedom of assembly freedom of speech all these things that was for that's our culture here in the united states regardless of your race color creed language whatever it is our culture is built up around this constitution of uh Uh, and this culture of of freedom of rights and responsibilities and so if you have none of that as any kind of a foundation for a multinational country like israel how do you get anything done how do you protect people how do you wait a minute wait a minute you know we had on Dr. Bruce Abramson who said that, you know, even, even, you know, dictators have, have elections, <laughs> e- 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 even country. I mean, it's not a question of whether you have a, a foundational document or not. I mean, I mean, England doesn't have a constitution either. Right. I mean, you know, they have, you know, they have the um, Magna Carta. I mean, you know, different legacy documents that, that, that guide their principles, right. That form mm. their government, but most countries don't have a constitution and mm. the ones that do who follows them. I mean, I'm, I'm not a scholar, clearly. <laughs> um, if anything's evident after this show is I am not a scholar. But, um, and Ben, that's a good clip for you. So, <laughs> but, but like like elections, okay, you can have a constitution. Who follows it? The thing with Israel is they've had basically 74 years of an unaccountable judiciary, self-perpetuating judiciary that picks their successors and all the, and all that's trying to be done here is to rein that back in a little bit mm. right and and what do you see you see political violence in the streets because it's been because now it's acceptable political mm. violence and justifies the means in any event Always more to wrong. follow on that Always wrong. Whew.
Uh, Folks, uh, we were starting. This was a, a wide-ranging one. If you have any questions, if you want me, Robert C at asicfund.org. Erica, where can they get you? Generally irritable at gmail.com. Yeah. And she's not generally irritable today. Today she was a savior. So <laughs> I okay. don't know. I'm freaking yeah, exactly. fired up. Exactly. Folks, you have been listening to Of the People with Robert Chernin and my lovely co-host Erica Reddick. We will see you next week. Thanks for joining us. We did it, start the fire. it was all